Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. Well, good morning, Kalos Church. We're so thankful that you're here this morning. Welcome to the new building. How many of you just loved getting out of your car, just walking straight into the building? I mean, it's a game changer, isn't it? My name is Pastor Amritha Jeeva, and this is... Pradeepin G. Manohar and Steve Aretna, but just call me Pradeepin for short. Yeah, so we're so thankful that you're here this morning. And man, this has been a wild journey for us as a portable church. And so we're thankful. Those of you that are new, I just want you to know that you are now a part of our journey. So we welcome you into Kalos Church. We welcome you here today. Amen. So today is a significant day in the life of Kalos Church because I believe that we're going from a church plant to a church planted. And for the first time ever, we don't have to tear down tonight. Glory to God. After five years, we don't have to tear down tonight. (laughs) Sorry. Don't weep. Don't weep. We did it. We did it. And so we are being planted. We are putting our roots down, which is so exciting. And it reminds me of the spiritual principle that Jesus talks about in John chapter 12. And I want to read it. He says, I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted. Everybody say planted. Planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. The spiritual principle is here. In order for a seed to grow, it must be, say it with me, planted. The best seed doesn't grow very much without decent soil. I mean, uh, seeds need soil, babies need wombs, avocados need toast. And today, I believe that as a people of God, we need to be planted in the house of the Lord. Amen. There is a psalm, Psalm 92, that actually talks about the real benefit of what it means to actually be planted. There are major, major benefits. Let's read Psalm 92. One says this, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. You know, for the last five years, God has done amazing things here at Kalos Church. But the truth is, we have been wondering. We have been all over the place, if I'm really honest. And I want to tell you a little bit about what this journey has been like. For instance, we have had five uh, Kalos Church Easter services, okay? Not one of those services was in the same location, Isn't that wild? Five different Easter's in five different locations, which is crazy. Last year, just a year ago, we were in a temporary location and seven weeks in a row, we had to move. We had to set up, we had to take our stuff, move it to a different location for the next Sunday, seven different times. This is like a pastor's nightmare, you guys, you know? Like, it was just so crazy. We used to have a parking garage where we would actually 
give you green parking tickets. How many of you remember that? Were you with us? Green parking tickets at the Salesforce parking lot, all right? And we were like, we don't want anybody to pay for parking. We as a church, we will pay for parking. You just got to have this green ticket. And Andrew Jennings, every Sunday, reminded us, say it with me, don't Don't pay pay for for parking. parking. And so it was just a really crazy time of moving all these different places. So to relive our trauma, we thought we would list off some of the venues we've been in. All right, we started off in Belden Cafe in Bellevue, went to our living room in Bellevue. Then we had our first official service at the Parlor Comedy Club. No joke. We met at the W. We met at the Hilton Garden Inn Hotel. We met at Bellevue Way Community Church and Bell Press Church and Cornerstone Ministry Center. We went 58 weeks online where we preached from our kitchen counter. Crazy. We met in the downtown Bellevue Park and the Bellevue Youth Theater. Last week we met in the GIX, but also last week we had our GI Exodus. Glory to God. And now we are meeting in our own building. Come on, somebody. And so we want to take a moment and shout out all the teams, all the volunteers, all the people who have been setting up and tearing down every Sunday with them. Can we give a round of applause for these amazing servants in the house of God? Been so great. Special shout out to our truck, Geraldine, who uh, two weeks before we moved here said, you know what? You're not leaving me. I'm leaving you and quit working. (laughs) And uh, that 26-foot box truck has been with us a lot. We've packed up everything. And our media team actually made a video showing what it was like for our team to set up and tear down on Sundays with that truck. And you'll see how epic it was. So let's watch this video to reminisce. Never again. (laughs) I love how dramatic that video is. Hallelujah. You know, 
with all of this setup and teardown, it's been fulfilling. We've seen lives change. God has been lifted up, but I feel like it has impacted us. You know, as we study for this message, I learned this term called transplant shock. Has anybody heard this term? It's when you take a tree that grew up in a certain soil, you take that tree, you put it in a pot, you put it in another piece of land, and the root system is destroyed. And the roots are going down to about a third of its potential, so it doesn't absorb nutrients, it doesn't absorb water, and so plants will die when you transplant them. And uh, they will begin to wilt, their fruit won't be as healthy, they'll change colors, and a lot of plants actually die. Anybody kill some succulents here in the house of God. It's a safe place. I've killed my fair share of succulents. But this transplant shock happens when you move it out of the soil that it was thriving in. And I think we might be experiencing something similar to that in our lives. Yeah, so I want to ask you this question. How many of you did not grow up here in the Seattle area? Yes. Look at the hands all over the place. And I want to just ask you, some of you have moved here even just recently. Could it be that if plants experience transplant shock, could we be experiencing transplant shock? Is this something that is affecting us and impacting us? You know, most of us have moved recently, and I think that it takes a toll on us. I mean, we moved here a little over five years ago, and it can take a toll. It took a toll on our church. It took a toll on our volunteers. Moving, transplanting over and over and over again is really really impacting. And if we're honest, some of us, we just don't like to stay in the same place. We like that we can just get up and move and get out of here. No one can really know me and I don't really have to work on anything. We just love doing that. I mean, let's be real. Some of us don't even like committing to a party, let alone a community, right? And we have a really good friend. His name is Daniel Grothy and he wrote a book called The Power of Place. It's just such a beautiful book. And I want to read a quote for you from from the book, from the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, because psychologists have something to say about the impact of transplanting and how that is for us. So it says this, moving is associated with lower levels of overall well-being, higher stress levels, and fewer positive social relationships. Frequent moves have a particularly detrimental effect for adolescents who've been shown to have lower test scores and graduation rates, fewer friends, and higher drug and alcohol use. We know that children who move frequently are more likely to perform poorly in schools and have more behavioral problems. So this is from the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. It is impacting. It can affect us in such crazy ways. And let's be honest, I have a lot of grace for you. I have grace for us too because some of us, we don't get to choose where our jobs are. Our jobs move us around over and over again. Pastor Pradeepan and I felt like God called us a little over five years ago to uproot our lives from Michigan. We had our first baby in Michigan. We uprooted our lives and we moved here to Seattle. And so some of us don't totally have a choice, but we're trying to figure out what it would mean to find stability even in that situation. But some of us, I used to be this person, I'm admitting it to you, some of us, we just don't want to deal with permanence. We don't like stability. We don't like getting comfortable. We might actually have to get vulnerable. We might actually have to live our lives with people. People might actually know who I am. And if I'm honest, I was just talking to somebody in our church a couple weeks ago who said, I 
I am way more comfortable just getting out of town before people really get to know me. And so as we look at this, another quote uh, that Daniel Grothy wrote in his book, it says this, we move because we have not committed to a people in a particular place that is worth dying for and dying within. We have prized duty-free friendships and memberships over obligatory ones simply because they are cheaper and require less of us. When relationships are inevitably strained, we find no need to do the hard and often soul-wrenching work to repair them because we will surely be gone in a couple of years. You know, not having a permanent place, I believe, takes a toll on us. And we believe that God has something to say about that. And so as we settle down roots in this place, we want to bring some theological perspectives on the importance and the value of physical places in our lives. The first one we want to share is this. One of the first gifts, this is a theological perspective on this, one of the first gifts God gave humanity was a place. And one of the first curses on humanity was placelessness. If we go back to Genesis and the story of the garden with the first created humans, Adam and Eve, they were able to have any fruit in the garden except for one, the forbidden fruit. They take that and uh, we see that the curse, one of the curses of that is that they were not able to have their residency in the garden anymore, and they experienced the curse of placelessness. And if we backtrack a little bit, one of the first gifts Adam and Eve were given were the garden to delight in, to be fruitful and multiply in, to cultivate in. And so place, physical places are important for us as the people of God. I know we live in a culture and even our churches have taught that, you know, it's all about being disembodied. It's all about being spiritual. But I believe that our physical bodies and our physical experiences Physical experiences matter as we worship the Lord with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength, every part of who we are. When we look in the scriptures, we see that when the Jewish people were slaves and exiles, God, what did he provide as hope for them? A promised what? A promised land. Land is important. And then we see that in the end, (coughs) excuse me. In the end of days, when we experience eternity, that the new Jerusalem will descend from heaven to earth and make a home here. This is part of the the narrative of the scriptures. And one of the greatest proofs of places being important from a theological perspective is in the 90s, the people of God used to sing songs like, come and go with me to my father's house. Come and go with me to my father's house. It's a big, big house with lots and lots of rooms, a big, big town. Anyways, if places are important, how did that song come about? Checkmate, atheists. (laughs) Anyways, and the fact is, God in the scriptures created places before he even created people. And, and we live in such a transient society where we move, and, and there, there are factors where we grow by moving, and the gospel commands us to go. But there, there is a time for reaping, but there's also time for planting and being stable in a place. And if you don't think physical places are important, ask a refugee family. You know, my family is a refugee family from Sri Lanka, lived in a civil war, experienced horrific things, were having to flee from their nation. And they went from tropical island to Minnesota, wintertime. They were practicing Hindu temp- 
practicing Hindus at the time, couldn't find a temple to worship at, and it was a very difficult transition. But then my family decided we're going to end our lives. And thankfully, a pastor ran into them and said, no, you don't have to do that. In fact, why don't you have a place with us? And invited my family to live with their family. And they're able to start over and experience the love of Jesus in a particular place with a particular people. And maybe we can't all relate to that kind of story, but when we moved here to Bellevue, we learned a term for the first time, a term called Christian refugees. Has anybody heard that term? And it was a term we learned because a lot of big churches had uh, collapsed or ended or pastors moved out of town or different pastors experienced moral failures. And so people felt like, ah, I was invested and I was planted in my church, but then suddenly my church wasn't my church anymore. It all kind of dissipated. It disappeared. And now I haven't been part of a community and I feel like a Christian refugee. Where are my people what is my place? Or you moved here and you're like, I just don't know what church to go to. And it's so exhausting to church shop week after week after week. Can I get a good amen? And I feel just like a Christian refugee. And I, I know that is so difficult. And that's why I, I believe if you're looking for a place, if there's a longing in your heart, that makes sense. Because we are people designed to be planted and, and to flourish. And as pastors of Kalos Church, in this new season, we just want to say maybe this is a new season for you to find your people, to find your place, to be planted. And if you're looking for people, we just want to say officially, you can be welcome here at Kalos Church. If you want it, this can be your place too. Amen. Amen. The second thought that we have for you today is this. You grow up as your roots grow down. You grow up as your roots grow down. You know, one of the best things that our family has ever done, we did this as soon as we got married, is that we planted ourselves in the house of the Lord. Now, I know you're thinking, you guys are pastors, you have to say that, but I just want to tell you, it has forced us to grow up, okay, and become spiritually mature people. We have had to figure out how to deal with relationships, how to work together, how to figure out year after year after year how to get along with people, work through conflict, all these different kinds of things. And we realized that we wanted to have lasting friendships and lasting people in our lives. And to be really honest, we've had some really hard things happen personally. The reality is, is that pastors have weaknesses. We have failures and we have people in our lives just because we've been living together with them for so long who will just accept and love us and call us out and be there for us. There's power in place. There's power in putting roots down among a community. And uh, we actually have a little boy with severe developmental disabilities. Many of you know him. His name is Obi. And Obi uh, literally struggles with different transitions. He has transplant shock even from figuring, realizing that today we weren't going to go to the church that we went at for the last few months and coming to a new building today. That's a big deal for him, right? But do you know that because we have planted our family in the house of the Lord. Our little boy cannot speak very many sentences. He has a few little words. But you know that one of his favorite words, I kid you not, we did not, we can't force this on him. His favorite word is church. 
He loves church. It's so cute. He says, church, church, church. And we're like, no, today, buddy, we got to go to school. We got to get on the yellow bus. But when it's Sunday, people, this kid, he loves going to church. And Sunday is his favorite day. And for a little boy who has so many challenges, for him to experience and reap the benefits of what it has meant for our family to be planted in the house of the Lord, it is amazing. I am so moved by God. Each of us, each of us, no matter who we are, we were all designed by God to flourish, to flourish with permanence in our lives. Psalm 92 says this, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. The cedar trees of Lebanon were known for a few things that maybe you need today too. They were known for their strength. They were known for their stability. They were known for their beauty and their usefulness. Maybe there's some of those things that you feel like you need that being planted would help you be a flourished person. Do you know that God is saying to us today, I believe, be planted in the house of the Lord, be planted in my presence, and you will flourish amen because the reality is is where there are roots there are fruits and we begin to experience fruit we begin to experience this durability this strength this humility this beauty when we have roots that go down deep into community deep into the lord's house so i want to ask you this morning what would it look like for you and your family to plant yourselves in the house of god what would it look like for you and your children to flourish? Are there areas of your life where you are not flourishing? You know, I have a really good friend sitting right here in the second row. Her name is Linda. And Linda is just our, she's amazing. She's our small group director. I'm going to have you give her a round of applause in just a second. But I, oh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. You, let's do a couple times. She's amazing. They were so eager to give you a But Linda, as a child, was in a situation where she moved around many, many, many times over and over and over again as a child in high school, junior high, all of that. And, and it was really unstable, and it, it really brought a lot of insecurity to her life. And I was talking with her this week, and we were talking about what are the benefits of being rooted? What are the benefits of having stability? And she's now been here in Seattle for a little over five years. She met her husband here, by the way, also an incredible person. Give it up for Randall, too. Okay. We love celebrating people here. But here's what she said, and I thought that this was so beautiful. She said, you know, it's really, really beautiful to have long-lasting relationships and friendships. I feel really known. I don't just feel like I'm going to be here for a second and I'm going to leave, but I actually have people who have walked with me through the good and the bad, and I feel known. The other thing that she said is she said, I love that I can be here and I'm not always thinking, where's the next place that I'm going to have to go? What are the new friends I'm going to be making? Where's the next school? What's the next job? She feels a sense of stability by being here. And so I just want to tell you, it might be that your family needs to commit to a church. Your family needs to commit. To, it can be Kalos. It can be another church. Whatever it is, I encourage you to plant yourself. Understand the benefits of what it means to flourish in the house of God. This is what Pastor Pradeepan and I have found out. We've realized that you don't just reap what you sow. You reap where you sow. 
You don't just reap what you sow, you reap where you sow. Do you remember the scripture that he read? It says that unless a seed is planted and dies first, it cannot grow. So let's be honest. This can be hard. Being planted takes work. Being planted takes work. And some of us, we'd rather get out of town before we have to do the hard work of being planted. And I think that this can be a painful process, but it's necessary. I promise you, when things get hard, don't give up. I hear people say to me all the time, I don't want to have shallow relationships. I'm just tired of just having surface level relationships. Well, guess what? If you don't want to have shallow relationships, you got to stick around for a little bit. You got to let people get to know you. You got to be willing to be vulnerable with people and live life together. The rewards are amazing, I promise you. I mean, some of us, if we're honest, we're having to push through every single year in Seattle, 360 some days of gray skies. I mean, come on, it's not easy to plant yourselves, but God promises that we will flourish. I wanna end this point by telling you a story I grew up in the same house, in the same small town from age three to 17, okay? And I mean, I tell you what, it was a boring little town. And I could not wait when I was in high school to just get out of my house. Anybody with me? I was like, I can't wait to get out of here. I can't wait to get away from my parents and all the boring things that this boring city, you know, it's just whatever. I just could not wait. Well, I finally got to go to college. I mean, and I was free, baby. I just felt free. I went to college, I did my thing, and then I got one of my first jobs out of college. I moved with my best friend to Colorado to what I thought was my dream job. We get to Colorado, my parents move me into my apartment, and I kid you not, the next day I wake up and I am riddled with anxiety. Like to the point, people, where I could not get out of bed. Anyone experienced anxiety like this? I could not get out of bed. I, all of my stability was gone. I didn't know anybody. I was going to a job that ended up being a disaster and everything fell apart, if I'm honest. And I went to my roommate who I just signed a year-long lease with and I said, listen, I cannot... I cannot stay here. I'm going to break this lease with you. And I saw her face. She was so crushed because we were so excited to live in a new place together. And I remember calling my parents and we talked through some things. And I went back to my roommate and I just realized, you guys, I cannot leave her in this situation. I got to be a big girl. I got to pull out my big girl boots and I've got to figure this out. I needed to put roots down because I needed to grow up. And so what I did is I stayed committed to my friend and to my lease. I decided to get a job. I figured it out. I started going to a church that I really loved. And at that church, there happened to be this really tall, brown, handsome, curly-haired boy that's from Sri Lanka. And he was there. And had I left, had I left a week after, I would not be here married to Pastor Pradeepin. So what am I saying to you? If you grow roots, you'll get married. To me. <laughs> so I am a living example. I am a living example of what it means that, man, when your roots go deep, when you stick it out, when you push through, when you allow God to let your roots grow deep, you will flourish. And I want to tell you, church, I believe that God's invitation for you today is that you would plant yourself in the house of the Lord and allow God to let your life flourish. Amen. 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 And as we get ready to close, I just want to share this third point. I believe that in this moment.
What this represents for us in the building is that Jesus is making room for you. That's what this building represents. Jesus is making room for you. And we're just asking, will you make room for him? I believe that throughout the scriptures, Jesus prepares places for his people. I'm reminded of the scripture in Mark 11, where Jesus walks into the temple in Jerusalem, and he sees that it's busy, and he calls it a den of thieves, when he wanted it to be a place for people to encounter the presence of God, a house of prayer. Let's read in Mark 11, when they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of money changers and the chairs of those selling doves, and he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. And I believe that Jesus saw this and he was angry because they were setting up tables for merchandise and selling and trading in the one place that foreigners were allowed to worship in the temple in Jerusalem. There are different areas you could worship. There was a court for the high priest. There was a court for women. And there was a place called the Gentile court. And that's where the foreigners would come to worship. And this is where the dealers and the money changers decided to set up their noisy and smelly business operation. The one place foreigners could pray. So Jesus goes in there and he starts to literally move tables and chairs so that people could pray that this would be called a house of prayer. And I'm going to be real. Getting into this building has been very, very difficult. Most church plants, when they get established in Bellevue, they leave Bellevue to get their building. Because it's so difficult. But I feel like for us as the people of God to encounter God, his presence right here in Bellevue, I feel like Jesus has moved tables and chairs physically, spiritually, literally, so that we could be a house of prayer for all nations. And not just a place or a people that prays for other people in nations, but we are literally a diverse church representative of many nations as a house of prayer. And I think it's beautiful. And I think many miracles and obstacles have been paved away so that God could meet with you. Why? Because he loves you and he has a plan for you and he's making room for you to flourish and experience life. And we don't want this message to be a message from pastors saying, you just need to go to church more. You just need to show up. And I think that that's valuable to be stable. But the heart of this is Jesus is making room for you because he loves you. He wants you to encounter him and for him to encounter you. God made a way for us to be with him. And places are just symbolically special for many people. You know, I shared I grew up as a refugee kid in Minnesota. And I, I went through some pretty traumatic experiences. And my, my mom experienced some uh, issues with homelessness and all, all these kind of things as my family divorced and spread apart. And I remember as a young teenager uh, attempting to end my life a couple of times. I was just, I was done. I was desperate. I wasn't find any hope. But one day in a rainstorm in Minnesota, I thought, there's got to be hope somewhere. And so I went on like a half an hour walk in the rain, got fully drenched as a teenager. And the first place I thought maybe there could be hope, maybe there could be life and flourishing, was an actual church building. So I walked in there, and I just entered this service. And I thought, maybe maybe this would be my place. And 
as I reached out to God, as I draw near to him, the most amazing thing happened. He, he drew near to me. And he began to love me and change me. And for the first time as a young boy, I felt hope and life. And like maybe I wasn't an accident. Maybe God had a purpose for someone like me. And I, I believe that there are many people, even in this room today, you're looking for hope. You're looking for life. You're looking for purpose. And God is looking for you too. He wants to gather his people. He wants us to flourish in his house because it's our father's house, as the 90s song said. Amen. I want to read the scripture from Isaiah 56. And this is what Jesus quoted from when he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. That was not the first time those words were being used. He was quoting this scripture. And I resonate with this, this promise for what the house of God can be. And maybe for those of us who feel like outcasts, marginalized, left behind, feel like we don't have our people or our place, maybe you'll resonate with some of these words that Jesus quoted. In Isaiah 56, and the band, you guys can come up, and if they're not in the room, someone go get them. But in Isaiah 56... The scripture says, don't let foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord say, the Lord will never let me be part of his people. And don't let the eunuch say, I am a dried up tree with no children and no future. For this is what the Lord says. I will bless those eunuchs who keep my Sabbath days holy and who choose to do what pleases me and commit their lives to me. I will give them within the walls of my house, a memorial and a name far greater than sons and daughters could give. For the name I give them is an everlasting one. It will never disappear. I will also bless the foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord, who serve him and love his name, who worship him and do not desecrate the Sabbath day of rest and hold fast to my covenant. I will bring them to my holy mountain of Jerusalem and I will fill them with joy in my house of prayer. I will accept their burnt offerings and sacrifices because my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. For the sovereign Lord who brings back the outcasts of Israel says, he brings back the church hurt. He brings back those who are wandering. He brings back those who are missing their home. He brings back those who are going through transplant shock. He brings back the outcasts of Israel says, I will bring others to besides my people of Israel. And this is the good news, and this is why this moment is so significant, because we can plant together and flourish. And Jesus Christ, he's made room for us, and we have proof because he died on the cross. He who is perfect, he died to absorb sin and to absorb the distance and the gap between us and him. And he was planted in the ground, but then he rose up as a new creation, a glorified body, saying that death does not hold us anymore. And he went down as one, but he rose up for us to be brothers and sisters. That the end of his prosperity, his nations, his people would not be limited. And it is so beautiful because you are not here by accident, but God loves you. He wants you. He has a plan for you. And so today we're going to take a moment to pray together and pray for one another. But I just want to ask, would you invest into a life of stability so that you could flourish in the ways God wants you? Would you plant yourself in the house of the Lord and love people and let people love you and you can grow in the presence of the Lord for you, for your children to know there's a place for me. There's a place where I can thrive. There's a place where I am known. You know, I believe that this is a new season for us and I'm excited for us to grow together. Amen. So let's stand up to our feet and let's pray 
for one another. Let's begin to flourish. And prayer team, you can come up here to the front and get ready to receive people in prayer. But also, I, I'm going to ask for us to get into circles right where you're at in, in like groups of three or five where we could pray for one another. Just pray, hey, Lord, would you help the person next to me flourish? Would you help them to be stabilized? If they're dealing with the shock of moving, if they're homesick, if they're going through this, would you just lift them up? And I know it can be intimidating to pray for one another. It can be intimidating to pray out loud, but we're serious. We really want to cultivate an atmosphere where we are a house of prayer and that we are people who knows how to connect with God, knows how to connect with one another. And so share your needs with one another if you have specific needs, but let's not make this a long talking session. Just share, hey, would you pray over me over this? And then let's actually like get in circles and pray. And if you have some private things where you need a team to help you pray, get prayer for it. We're going to have some people come up here to the front. And if you're you're a leader that I trust, uh, let's have more than just Yuna. Yuna is great. And I know she's pregnant, so there's two. But uh, if we could have some other maybe small group leaders or leaders come up here to receive people and pray. But even right now, let's get into to groups. Let's circle up, move chairs if you have to, and let's pray for one another. Can we do that? Awesome. Let's get into groups of three, five. And if you have a personal prayer request or a private prayer request, you can come up to the front and we have a team here ready to receive you and pray over you. And team, could you begin to just sing that we'll make room for the Lord? Lord, we make room for you in your house of prayer. And just tap someone on the shoulder if you want to ask them. It's okay. It's okay. Just tap them on the shoulder and ask if they want to pray with you. It's okay to just grab someone and ask them.
We're going to pray for another minute. Let's get you ready to wrap up our prayers. close in prayer. Dear Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be planted in your courts. I pray that we'd be flourishing in your love. Lord, especially those who are homesick or dealing with transplant shock, Lord, I pray that you'd bring stability and peace, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.